Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning to all of you and welcome to to Res this morning on this Pentecost and Baptism Sunday. It is such a gift to worship with you week in and week out. And for those of you who are new to Res, if this is your first time here this morning, uh, if you're here for the, the baptism of Ezra, or if this is just this ha- happens to be your first time here, we want to spe- uh, extend a special welcome to you this morning. If you were hoping to re- remain anonymous at all uh, coming here to Res this morning, just a warning, I don't think our community will let you leave without saying hello first, so just letting you know. Um, today we are celebrating, as I said, Pentecost Sunday, and I love Pente- Pentecost Sunday partly because it is one of the few times that we get to bust out the red vestments, all the red linens and everything like that. I love uh, the the celebratory nature of this, the red that we've got here. And on Pentecost, we celebrate two very important events in the Bible, and both are found in our readings uh, from Acts this morning. First, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles in Jerusalem. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who came from heaven like a mighty rushing wind on that day in Jerusalem. This is the same Spirit, the Helper, that Jesus refers to in our Gospel this morning, if you heard from Deacon Courtney. And the other big event on this day of Pentecost is the celebration of the birth of the church. Today is our birthday, Rez. That's why we'll have cake waiting for us after the service today. For all you kids, get excited, we got cake. Today, we celebrate the birth of this beautiful, messy, complicated, but life-giving and hope-filled community called the church, where we center our lives around Jesus. So happy birthday, church. If we want to truly understand Pentecost, though, we actually have to go back a ways. We have to go back into the Old Testament and dig up a story that's all the way back found in the book of Genesis. It's from our lectionary reading this morning. And by the way, if you're new to Anglicanism, liturgy, all that stuff, you're not sure what a lectionary is, it basically functions like a a scripture reading plan that follows the seasons of the church. So each Sunday we have four readings, one from the Old Testament, one from the Psalms, one from the epistles of the New Testament, and one from the Gospels. So back in the day, there were some like really, really wise people who gathered together and put together these plans for reading and preaching in the church on Sunday mornings that follow this three-year cycle. So this is just a little, just a tidbit about the lectionary. So over the course of three years, we cover a lot of ground in the Bible. And I love the lectionary for two reasons. One, it's because it's, if it's left up to me to decide what we're going to preach on, week in and week out, we'll probably inevitably just preach on the books that I like, the books of the Bible that I like. And we'll probably miss some of the rest of Scripture, right? And the lectionary helps us to make sure that we're reading as much of the Bible as we possibly can. And the second reason why I love the lectionary is because of the deep wisdom that was put into crafting and curating these different readings that we have every week. This deep wisdom is on display on Pentecost Sunday. There's a reason why we're We're reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, because the story of the Tower of Babel is so crucial in understanding Pentecost. So let's turn our attention to the story in Genesis 11. 
And I want to point out three simple things from the reading this morning that uh, we heard read. Three defining uh, features of these people in Babel that I think we can all relate to. So first, the story of Babel is a story of pride and prestige. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And then what does it say? Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. This, this first thing, this is the first thing I noticed in this story, is that at the center of this story of the Tower of Babel, this, this story from Genesis 11, is the story of pride and arrogance of the people there in this story. Yes, the people of Babel were a hard-working and industrious, productive people, which by itself isn't a bad thing, but when they came together and decided that they wanted to reach for the heavens and make a name for themselves, that's where things went off the rails, right? Let us build up a city and a tower. And I'm paraphrasing here. Let us build wealth and security and prestige and legacy. This is what they were after. Just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, this story is about the temptation to want to be like God, to reach to the heavens. Second, the story of Babel is a story of fear. We have to build this city and this tower and make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, what? We will be scattered. In verse 4, it says, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We have to pursue wealth and security and prestige, lest we be scattered and nameless and powerless in the world. The people of Babel were driven by pride, yes, but they were also driven by fear. They saw the world in zero-sum terms. In other words, if we don't build up Babel, we will be nothing. This was the way of the world for them. Third, the story of Babel is a story of a people with no need for God. It was evident in the story that the people of Babel had little use for a God who might help them in this work. They wanted to reach to the heavens through their own efforts. It is the inevitable outcome of this pride and this arrogance that they they held. We don't need God, they said. We have everything we need to create this city and this tower. So the story of Babel, as we heard read, is a story of pride and prestige. It's a story of people motivated by fear of being nothing. And it is a story of people with no need for God. And we can all relate to this story of Babel, I think, can't we? I've heard Father Sean say before that Babel is in me. And I suspect Babel is in all of us in some way. What might it be for you? Is it the story of pride, of desiring a name for ourselves, of wanting prestige and power and influence in the world? Or is it a story of fear, of being motivated, motivated by this fear of being scattered and nothing and powerless in the world? Or is it the story of a people that don't really need God. Today in our world, it is so easy to live, live as if God doesn't exist. And we can so easily build our lives up in such a way where we don't need God, right? 
We can relate to the story of Babel in all of these different ways, I think. We all carry a little of Babel inside of us. And so I ask again, what might this be for you this morning? How might you carry Babel in your life? In the end, we, we know the rest of the story of Babel, right? God cursed the people of Babel by confusing their language and scattering them over the face of the earth. And our world continues to bear the marks of this curse, even now. But today, we proclaim the good news that on that day of Pentecost, as we read in the book of Acts, we witnessed the great reversal of Babel. Pentecost is what some might call the undoing of Babel. On that day in Jerusalem, as the apostles were gathered together and continued to wait for Jesus, the way that Jesus had instructed them to do, they were waiting in Jerusalem. A sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind came upon the apostles. And as the flames of fire rested upon each of them, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, entered the story and filled each of those apostles on that day so that they began to speak in other tongues. And so the story goes that Jews from all over the world had gathered together in Jerusalem, Jews who spoke many different languages. And they heard this great sound and they came to hear what was going on. And they heard the apostles speaking and were amazed and astonished. These Jews from every corner of the world could not believe that these simple, lowly Galileans were speaking to them in their own tongues, their own languages. How could this be? Where God had scattered the people of Babel over the face of the earth and confused their language so they could no longer understand one another, now on the day of Pentecost, God was gathering a people together from all the corners of the earth. And the apostles, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to these gathered peoples in their own tongue. Where once there was isolation and scattering, God was doing the work of gathering and creating a community here at Pentecost. Where once there was disunity and division because of all these language barriers, God was creating unity and reconciliation at Pentecost by His Spirit. And probably the most important aspect of this whole story in Acts, the apostles weren't trying to make a name for themselves here at Pentecost. They weren't saying, look at how great we are. Look at what we have accomplished. No, what were they proclaiming once the the Spirit filled them? What were they speaking of? The mighty works of God. That's what they were proclaiming. Not about themse- it wasn't about themselves. They were speaking of the ways in which God had worked in the world and worked in their lives. No longer were they speaking of how to make a name for themselves. Remember, these are the same disciples that walked with Jesus and were the ones who were like arguing about who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These were the same disciples now being filled by the Spirit on this day of Pentecost. They spoke not of themselves or how great they were. They spoke only of the mighty works of God. And these Jews from all over the world were able to hear and understand and were astonished and amazed. This Pentecost was the great reversal of Babel. What was proclaimed on that day of Pentecost was not a story of a tower that reached to the gods, but a story of God coming down to earth to rescue it. 
to restore it and ultimately to renew it. We, we read this in our psalm this morning, uh, psalm, 104, psalm 104. It says, when you let your breath go forth. So in other words, when you sent your spirit out into the world, you shall renew the face of the earth. That's what's happening on the day of Pentecost here. Friends, Pentecost is a story about the mighty works of God and of the great reversal of Babel and its curse. Pentecost is about the sending of the Spirit of God to renew the face of the earth and restore all things back to God. And Pentecost is about a people who are willing to recognize their need for God above all else. Pentecost is about the recognition that in fact, God was doing the heavy lifting all along, not us. And this people entrusted themselves to this work of the Holy Spirit to empower them to join in and participate in these mighty works of God in the world. And so we, the church, as inheritors of Pentecost and the sending of the Spirit, we have this same opportunity every day of our lives together in this community to be a part of this great reversal of Babel. We have the opportunity to join in with the apostles as we ourselves are filled with the Spirit to remember that God is the one doing the heavy lifting in our lives, not us. Or He could be. And we have the opportunity every day by the Spirit to allow God to do that mighty work in and through us. This is why we often sing the the hymn, Come Holy Spirit, Come. We just sang it uh, before and after the gospel reading today. We sing this often because we know that any transformation that might happen in our lives happens not out of our own strength or determination, but by the Spirit working in and through us. Come Holy Spirit, come. With energy divine, melt our frozen hearts. Holy Spirit, form us all anew. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, come, we need to remember that this is a dangerous prayer. It is a prayer of invitation, inviting God in to do the work of reversing Babel in our lives. It is a prayer of invitation, of inviting resurrection power into our lives and having its way in us. It's a dangerous prayer. And so as we come to the waters of baptism in just a little while here, we remember today that just as the Holy Spirit was present and at work at Pentecost, the Spirit is also here in our midst and present and at work in these waters of baptism. As in a little while, as we immerse baby Ezra into the water, we proclaim that this is no simple washing. This baptismal rite is nothing less than a mighty work of God happening in our midst. We proclaim the mystery of baptism, that by these waters we are being transformed from death to life as we are plunged into Christ's own death and resurrection. Romans 6 makes this plain, right? We were therefore buried with Christ in our baptism, that through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And as we celebrate today the birthday of the church on Pentecost, we also remember that baptism is where we are all received into the fellowship of the church. This same church that was initiated at Pentecost, we are received into that same church. 
And it is this church, this family of God here at Res, where we commit to raising the likes of baby Ezra into a life of faith, where he can one day make that decision to, to make that faith his own. And it is in this church that we are all called to do that same work of making our faith our own each and every day of our lives. We call that remembering your baptisms here. So if you hear us say, remember your baptisms, that's what we're talking about. Make your faith your own. And we commit ourselves to remembering the mighty work of God that has happened in our lives. The great reversal of Babel. So I just want to ask you, where are you at in this story this morning? Where are you at in this this story of the great reversal of Babel on Pentecost? This incredible reversal that began long ago in Jesus' death and resurrection and at the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost. Where are you at in this story? Where is there still Babel in you and I? Wherever you, you might be this morning, I pray that we would all come to the waters of baptism and remember our baptisms. Let us remember that our significance is not found in the building up of a great tower to the heavens, but in receiving the one who came down from heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, come, just as you did on Pentecost. We pray for you to come this morning and reverse all of the ways that Babel still lays claim to our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and do a mighty work in us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.